Hi everyone, I'm Claudia Sarek. And I'm Matt Lynch, filling in for Zach Mack. And this is So You Want to Run a Restaurant, powered by Back of House, where we let you have a seat at the table and talk about trending topics in the restaurant industry. So we are very excited to have Fernando de Buen Lopez on the show with us today. And I think for those who don't know, Fernando works for Relishworks, which is a food service innovation hub in Chicago, exploring the future of food and restaurants, also where I work. And so he's done some recent research recently into how different generations relate to the food industry. And I think it's going to be really interesting for us to talk through some of this, some of this research with him. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think talking about kind of contrast across generations is always just really interesting to me. Uh, yeah. It'd be an interesting talk that the three of us being in the uh, millennial category will um, yeah. see what, what our perspective is. But yeah, the, the research uh, that Fernando's going to speak to kind of takes uh, Gen Z, Millennial, Gen X, and Boomers and mm-hmm. takes a look at the different ways in which they relate to food. And uh, what we're really excited to talk about is kind of how that meets what restaurants should be thinking about going forward, but uh, based on how these generations behave and how they project to kind of evolve uh, in the future as they age. So I think it's going to be a really interesting discussion. Yeah. Because I mean, the way that we approach food technology, the way we engage with one another is how we interact. There's so many nuances here. So yeah, it's going to be a good show. I just think about the differences between how I and my parents approach uh, where, how and where to find a restaurant or order food. And uh, <laughs> exactly. yeah, there's definitely a lot to talk about. <laughs> totally. Well, let's kick it off. All right. Well, Fernando, thank you so much for joining us today. We're really excited to talk about this project that you've been working on and some of the interesting findings that have come out of it. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. So before we get into kind of the micro details of the research and the findings, I'd I'd love for you to just give a quick summary of this project, looking into different generations and kind of what the genesis and the approach of it was. Sure. Um, So at Relish, we do a lot of research with restaurants, with mm-hmm. staff, with diners, different parts of the value chain for, uh, value chain for the food industry. Uh, and this time we wanted to explore how uh, different generations of people eat differently and relate to food differently. And so that was kind of the genesis of it. Um, we originally started with just thinking like, oh, let's figure out what's happening with Gen Z. But then we thought, no, actually, there's something really interesting about uh, looking at generations, right? Well, now kind of after COVID, um, but not just Gen Z, but also like, you know, how, how it's changing, how, how different people are relating to food differently. Mm-hmm. Can I just ask what prompted the whole research to start? Like, what was the problem we were trying to solve originally? I mean, I know you mentioned Gen Z, but was there something else? Because I know there's so many there's so many interesting things that are always happening at the innovation of in projects. And I'm wondering what kind of kicked it all off. Sure. Um, I think we're seeing that people are doing a lot of new things, no? Yeah. Around food and around not just food, but in how they, they use technology and how they move differently around in the world. And we are pretty certain that all of this has implications on restaurants and we wanted to uncover what those are. No, we wanted to be able to then look at this research and say, okay, well, here's 
Here's what that means for a restaurant. Here's what that means for us as well as a food distributor to be able to, you know, better serve those those folks. Now, one thing I'm curious about is as you're looking at these contrasts between generations, how do you kind of parse? I mean, some things might be, like, oh, this is a really specific quality of people who are born in Gen Z and other things might be just kind of the natural product of aging and the life stage you're at. And you know, obviously, I think people kind of tend to get more set in their ways as they age a little bit, I think, kind of regardless of what generation you, you're you born in. So is was that something you noticed uh, as you were doing the research, just kind of certain things that jumped out as the product of the life stage you happen to be in versus the specific characteristics of the year you were born? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, that is one of the main things that kind of came up first. You know, as we were doing uh, our research, as we were interviewing people and starting to do analysis on what we were seeing, that was the, like the biggest question on our mind is what of this that we're seeing mm -hmm. is a product of the generation you are in versus a product of the life stage you're in. And there's no clear answer. There were some some specific things that were uh, like clearly about a generation, um, but a lot of it is also just weaved in with life stage. You know, it just so happens that, for example, millennials right now are in the stage where they're having children and getting get married and buying their first house. So, is that a millennial trait? Well, right now it is. Right in fifteen years, it's going to be a Gen Z trait as well. Right. And so we have to kind of like uh, toe a, a fine line there. Um, but if we were to see it as a snapshot today of what a millennial is going through, well, that's, that's part of it, no? One of the things we found that was actually really interesting is that while that is absolutely true, like the habits yeah. and the routines become more solidified as your life gets more complicated, we saw that like happening a lot to millennials. Millennials are in that stage of like, setting routines, setting habits, figuring out what works, because their lives are exploding with children, with jobs, with all of this. Mm -hmm. um, but then the oldest generation we looked at, baby boomers, they're actually in that stage where like, yes, they've spent the last maybe 30 years solidifying those routines, building those habits. They like them, they work for them, but they're also realizing like, oh, life is short. Mm -hmm. Life is precious. We need to actually live this life that we have and so they're actually breaking some of those routines and and mindfully breaking them they're not like discarding those routines they're not getting rid of those habits but they are, they know when to break them and when to explore and when to find so we saw this like uptick in exploration for like the baby boomer generation that we didn't see with gen x for example or with millennials uh not so much either yeah that's interesting so I'm kind of like, so we're not as unique as we think we are when we go through these <laughs> stages of life. And yet we are kind of as unique as we think yeah. we are to a certain degree. Um, but I want to start. So let's start with Gen Z, which I feel like so many businesses across all of the sectors are trying to find ways to connect with that generation. Now they're coming, they're getting older, they're ready to spend They're you know, they can go to bars and they're, they're, they're graduating college right now. So what jumped out at you about them specifically? Sure. There's there's a bunch of things, but um, you you mentioned spending right now, so why don't we start there? So one of the things we we found out is that Gen Z as a as a block is pretty thrifty, mm -hmm. but they do like to spend on food. Ah. So um, you know, seventy eight percent of of 
uh, folks, according to a Union Days report, um, said that aside from like tuition and bills and rent and things like that, their number one expenditure is, is food. But, you know, when they do go out to a restaurant, one of the things they, that we heard a lot is that they are drawn to very specific things. Now, they are drawn to restaurants with clear and quirky like aesthetics. Mm -hmm. They are drawn to novel experiences. They are drawn to like the, the exclusive a lot. Uh, not exclusive in like a price sense, but exclusive in like, you know, it's not easy to come by. Ah. Um, and we were like, okay, well, kind of like digging around this idea. And it's like, well, because for them, content is not something that they just consume. It's like something that they create equally. Uh, and so when they think about restaurants, when they think about the food they eat, they're also thinking about like how to think about creating content, consuming content, all of these things, which I think is really interesting. So for all restaurant uh, operators out there, that means if you want to attract Gen Z, you know, make it, uh, make it memorable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, find, find a, a, an aesthetic that, that draws them in. Yeah. I'm thinking like even the rise of pop-ups, which Matt, I feel like we had so mm -hmm. many people on this last season of the show mm -hmm. that talked about pop-up restaurants and these virtual, like these special experience types of restaurants. So, or special evenings where it's like, hey, we're going to do a 70s theme and it's going to be all catered with some of the cuisine back then or, or whatever. Um, I say it like it was like the 1800s or something. <laughs> was yeah, it? That's, that's been a huge threat in, uh, especially when it comes to a lot of full service dining options and things is pe people really yeah. seek something that they can't, that's really experiential that they can't get at just any restaurant they walk into that feels mm -hmm. really specific to you and your concepts. Yeah. And I wonder, Fernando, talk about, I, there's gotta be a tie here with the Instagram and TikTok experience that everybody's, that everybody's on and, and they're engaging with and that Gen Z grew up with, you know, right. I, mm -hmm. I'm curious how that's influencing some of these decisions. Yeah. Yeah. We did hear a lot about TikTok. Um, yeah. From, uh, Gen Zers. So a lot of folks finding re restaurant recommendations on TikTok, like an Instagram. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's like their main avenue to figure out where to go and what new place to try. But interestingly enough, they also are like very aware and self-conscious, self-conscious about um, the recommendations they get from family and friends. Mm -hmm. They're also like, they, they know the difference. They see the difference. They know that each one... It, functions like a, in a different way. Um, and so we also heard a lot about that, which was surprising to us, you know, because we were like, oh, they're all about social media. And it's like, yeah, they are. But they're also all about like their close group uh, of people. Do you think it's almost fair to say, like, since they grew up on social media, they almost maybe have a better understanding of its limitations and, you know, mm -hmm. where it's useful and where maybe a, a yeah. human connections more meaningful. Yeah, I think so. I think That's so. That's a really good point, Matt. And I want to talk about too, like the, what kind of content they are consuming and how they're thinking about some of the issues, like, like health and sustainability and that sort of thing, which I feel mm -hmm. like, I, and even um, some of the cultural issues that I feel like Gen Z feels very passionate about. Can mm -hmm. you talk to us a little bit about that and any findings that you uncovered? Yeah. Um, one of the things we heard about content is authenticity is really important to them. Um, so it's like 
can they relate to the content creator um, or the influencer? You know, it's not necessarily about it being all perfectly like super groomed, uh, super set up picture. It's more about mm -hmm. like, is it real? Is it authentic? Is it something that, um, you know, I that is not out of reach, I guess, is, is, is one of the ways to see it. And then you mentioned health. And I think that there's something really interesting about health, too. Like health didn't come up as much with Gen Z for obvious reasons. They're a very young generation. Yeah. But when it did come up, um, they have a, an awareness of health, but it's a much more holistic awareness of health than other generations. They think about, yes, their physical health, but they think about it differently than other generations. For them, it's not like about having the ideal weight or these things. It's more about like, am I putting the right things in my body? But they also think equ equally as important about their mental health. Like, is this food supporting me? Is this experience supporting my mental health? And then there's a third part equally important, which is like their community, their planet, like is the health of my community, the health of my planet. So for them, health is a, is a term that's kind of different than say a millennial or Gen X or Gen Z. And so, you know, uh, it's, I guess it makes it a little bit more complicated to talk about uh, health mm -hmm. uh, for, in the context of Gen Z, but. Um, what about in the terms of restaurants though? Like, how does that translate to some of their dining choices? That's a good question. Um, I think I think it reflects in, like, they are aware of like things like sustainability, like uh, ethical practices of a okay. restaurant. Like, of uh, they they will very quickly stop going to a place if they find out that they're you know abusing their staff and things like that, um, which makes sense, right? Right. Like, Everyone should do that too, <laughs> but um, but at the same time, they they won't shy away from like also eating healthy food and also seeking out things that make them feel good. So a lot of I, I mean I'm sure you've all talked about and heard about the the whole like non-alcohol consumption trend mm -hmm. and all like yeah a lot of that going on as well. Because sober it's, curious, it's the sober curious uh, crew. A lot of it is these younger folks that are more. Uh, concerned about their mental health and and they understand that the impacts of things like alcohol have on that so some of the things that we we heard hmm. interesting I, i'm curious to circle back a little bit to the uh the kind of experimentation uh aspect of, of gen z because this is one point where i'm really curious i think gen z and millennials to a lesser extent i and th this might not be noble but i kind of have this hypothesis that because our generations grew up a little bit more with more robust food media and social media and just that kind of discovering new food just kind of baked into your experience. I feel like those generations might stay more experimental as they age than say maybe Gen X and boomers are. I don't know if that'll really hold true. And maybe mm. that's just me wanting to think I won't grow old and only order the same drink in a restaurant every night like my parents do. But uh, <laughs> I was curious if you have any thoughts, if you think, kind of a heightened level of experimentation might actually stick with Gen Z as they age. Maybe a little, but I think that if we were to be looking at millennials 15 years ago, we would say the same thing. That's a good point. You know? um, I think the things that drive experimentation in, in what we observed was less than like the, those generational markers of like you're more open to diversity or things like that uh, and more life stage, you know, because 
for example, Gen Z is entering adulthood. Uh, what we saw for Gen Z is half of Gen Z actually doesn't get to explore much food because they still live with their parents and they're still having to like abide by the eating decisions of their parents, which tend to be Gen Xers, which mm -hmm. by the way are at the lowest exploration like part that we found, no? Or rates of exploration, of food exploration that we found. So these Gen Zers are suddenly going out on their own and there's an explosion of, of, of what they can do, no? And mm -hmm. where they can eat and the, the types of foods they're eating. So we saw this peak in like how much they explore, but then, and which, by the way, younger millennials are still kind of in that phase now, like real, a lot of exploration, mm -hmm. go to the restaurant, try the new food, do this, do that. But then the moment you start having children, start partnering up, start having a busier, busier job, uh, you know, you buy your house, have to pay your mortgage, you suddenly exploration starts to go down because the routines become really important. Yeah. yeah. Because figuring out what works becomes really important. Um, because one of the things we saw with millennials as well is, you know, they start to realize that, oh, eating healthy for my physical well-being is really important because otherwise I'm going to start seeing these things, these effects mm -hmm. like worse yeah. and worse and worse as I age. Health and becomes so more see, real. <laughs> yeah, very real, right? Yeah. And then you continue seeing this exploration uh, decrease into Gen X. Uh, which is the, the generation that we saw the most solidified routines and habits with. Because for them, they're in a groove. You know, their children are a little bit older. They're kind of in their careers in a more senior place or in a place where they have a little bit more of a, a you know, a thing going on. Mm -hmm. uh, and so for, for them, it's working. So let's not shake it up. Not yet. Yeah. But then baby boomers, we start to see like, Oh, their friend just passed away. Oh, they just had a big health scare, which also happens to some of the older Gen Xers. But they start to have a realization of like life is short. And we better like all those things that are on my bucket list, all those things that I still want to do, food included, like I want to be more adventurous around it. We see an uptick in that exploration, which mm -hmm. I, again, it makes sense. No. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit more about this comparison or the differences that you saw between Gen Z and millennials and how they're consuming some of the content. Um, I know we talked a little bit about budget, routine, lifestyle, but I know that so many restaurants are focused on how do I get my product out there? How do I get people in the door? So, and it sounds to me like you're saying that like Gen Z is looking for restaurants, they're searching for restaurants, they're looking for that food and that experience using TikTok. Are we still seeing that? with millennials on like, I mean, I feel like the, the trend is that all the millennials are on Instagram and, or what everybody says, at least all the millennials are on Instagram and all the Gen Z's are on TikTok. How are you seeing that? And how are you seeing how they approach and find new establishments? I think that what you just said is somewhat true. We also saw a difference in what they're doing. Mm -hmm. um, millennials are looking for recipes in social media. Oh, okay. And they're looking for recipes on, on YouTube and, and how to make this, how to make that as opposed to what's the latest and greatest restaurant. Huh. Um, or more so, I'm, I'm, I'm generalizing, but like we saw more of that, which I thought was really interesting. No? Um, of course, they still, they still find new places and new restaurants through social media, but uh, not in the same capacity. Do you know what's um, really interesting about that, Fernando? So I think as folks know, I have the Chicago Foodie Instagram handle. Whenever mm -hmm. I post a recipe video, it gets thousands and thousands and thousands of views. And that's the not the bread and 
Right. Mm -hmm. And that's not really the bread and butter of the handle. The bread and butter of the handle was that I'm going out to all these restaurants. Why not share it with other people? And the restaurant stuff does do well sometimes, but I'm always amazed at the amount of saves and downloads that the that the recipe videos get. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I guess we that... heard that like loud and clear. Yeah. Um, we have a stat here. Seventy one percent of millennials watch online videos about food and recipes specifically. And that, that actually dovetails <laughs> with a, a separate project I'm working on right now about social media. But I, you, you don't intuitively think about restaurants creating and putting out recipe content kind of because, you know, you don't necessarily want your customers making your food themselves. Right. But it, it actually, you know, can can be a really great to like broaden way to broaden your reach and get more engagement. And I, I don't think. You, you might view a re I think a lot of people view recipe content I would not necessarily because that. they're planning on making the recipe. I, I would yeah. challenge that, and I would go back to the Gen Z like approachability and authenticity. Sharing mm -hmm. a recipe is seen as authentic and, and, mm -hmm. and approachable. And let's face it, me making the you know fancy restaurant recipe in my house is not the it's same. Fun. Yeah, it's fun. It's interesting. I learn. Yeah, but it's not the same. <laughs> and then I go to the rest and then I want to go to the restaurant and see how I how I did. Yeah. Or or I go to the restaurant and then I want to make it at home and then I go back to see how like, you know, so I think it's a it's a great tactic to to and you don't have to do it with your signature dish. You right. can do it with a, a few interesting right. things like, hey, how to make the really delicious, you know, thing. That, yeah. There's also something about that kind of content that's that storytelling arch of like, ooh, what's going to happen when they're done making this? Or what is that going to look like? Versus like, I yeah. don't actually want to go and buy the ingredients and go do it myself. Like, even when I see some, of, I've seen some of the uh, the cocktail bars around here. They show yeah. you how they make some of their cocktails. I'm, I'll be real. I love it. It makes me want to go in and buy that cocktail. It doesn't actually make me want to go and buy all the ingredients to create that cocktail at home. Yeah. So. I hear you. I think that's. I, I can watch the people from Alinea create a dish all day. I'm not. I'm not knocking yeah. that one out of the park. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, but also, like, I follow a guy on YouTube that is called French Guy Cooking, and he he does some of this. Like, he'll, mm -hmm. he'll figure out like how to do this, but then he'll go to a restaurant and they'll teach him how to do a, a dish and he'll show make a video and all. This. Um, and it doesn't have to be like an Alinea level thing. Right. You know? It can be like just a really good, you know pasta or yeah or just like a, a really delicious sandwich or whatever yeah something to get um, you to drool and come in yeah exactly yeah. so i want to switch gears a little bit here and talk about gen x what jumped out at you with this generation um they're in a they're like they know what works they know what works for them and they're sticking to it they i think for them it's really about staying in that flow, you mm -hmm. know, staying in what works. Um, one of the things that we did see is that for them, health really starts to matter a lot. Um, and where they do vary their routines is around health needs. So they will start to change ingredients or stop eating something uh, or start exercising, things like that just to, to maintain that because that's when they start seeing really really seeing the impact of not eating healthy um and one of the things that uh we saw in both gen x and in the baby boomer generation uh, in a little bit different but 
that they care a lot about traditions. They care a lot about like what mm. the, you know, their grandparents taught them. And, and then they're very conscious because they have children and they have, uh, in, in the case of Gen X, still children, but like maybe all, slightly older children, they're very um, mindful about how to make sure that those traditions are embedded into their children as well. Mm-hmm. So if that, if that is going to a particular restaurant for a particular dish every Sunday, or that's making grandma's, you know, Thanksgiving turkey or whatever it is, um, that's really important for them. Um, in the topic of social media, yeah, you know, where we have TikTok for Gen, Gen Z, we have Instagram for uh, millennials, and we have the whole recipe thing. For Gen X, uh, social media is more about like straight up connecting to family and friends, like okay. the, the OG, the OG Facebook. Uh, y- use. Yeah, so <laughs> Facebook is still their go-to. Mm-hmm. Um, but weirdly enough, they still are pretty aware of what's happening on, on TikTok, on Instagram. They're like, because they have children that are using it, mm-hmm. because they're kind of like engaged right. in that, they're, they're pretty aware of what's happening there. Um, Even if they're interesting... not actually an account on there that they're using themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, there's an interesting stat somewhere. I, I don't know if we had it in this particular project, but um, Gen X is the generation that's, that buys the most from social media. Oh. Like that actually purchases stuff directly on social that's media. That's kind of surprising. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought it would be me uh, personally in my yeah. credit card because Lord knows if I see something on it. I mean, those Instagram ads, they know me so well. It's, it's, it's uncanny. You gotta, you gotta turn off all your cookies. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Did I bu- just buy some jeans yesterday marketed to guys under 5'8"? Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually all about the Like to Know It app. The one where it shows you, like, the influencers can actually post what they're wearing and you can go and then mm. buy it. Or if they've got something that they're cooking with, you can see, like, all the tools and then you can go and you can buy it on there. I've I've become, I've gone down so many rabbit holes of this app. It's like how influencers actually sell their product separately. So, but anyway, that's, that's a story for a different, that's a story for our fashion show uh, podcast. Yeah. That very, your, your other 37 podcasts, Claudia. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. (laughs) For those of you that don't know, Claudia is the podcast star of Relish. (laughs) (laughs) And now you know. Uh, Now you know. And if you listen to the podcast, you probably already knew. Yeah. Right. Um, so another interesting thing about Gen Xers, uh, re- it's related to social media, but it's um, more about the internet, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they are very intentional users of the internet, and they are self-directed about their discovery, where millennials and, and Gen uh, Zers are fine with discovery kind of like being pushed on them mm-hmm. through content, through algorithms, through those types of things. Gen Xers are more, much more about the search, like the uh, active looking mm. as opposed to passive uh, receiving, you know, um, which makes it a little bit more difficult probably to target them. But, yeah. Um, but that's how they use it. That's how we heard they use it. That's maybe a good point to uh, pivot to our, our last group, the boomers, because like, obviously uh, it, in, intuitively you would, expect this generation to have the most kind of limited engagement on the internet and social media. But I'm curious 
what you found about that generation in that capacity and if there was anything there that surprised you at all. Yeah. Um, baby boomers. So as I mentioned at the beginning, we, we kind of like wanted to, we first started thinking about Gen Z, you know, and we learned a ton of interesting things about Gen Z. We also, I think that the, the bookends to our research, baby boomers and, and Gen Z were the most interesting ones. Um, so baby boomers, as I mentioned earlier, they're keenly aware that life is short. And so they are doing a lot of things to, uh, to counter that, you know, to still live a life, but to maintain that life. Um, so like ingredient substitution, huge with baby boomers. So I still like my hamburgers. I can't eat them. So I... I will change this one ingredient that I can't eat because that's the one that's really messing me up. Huh. Or, or I will break that rule. Now, we heard from this guy that like hamburger Saturdays with his family are super important to him. Um, and so he's like, I will not eat red meat because I can't eat red meat the rest of the week. But that one day, I will. Because that, this, this is really That's the tradition. Important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a tradition, right? Um, Another thing that's, that really stood out is that for them, is this is the point that I was making before, food is both a memory and their legacy. Uh, again, because they know life is short. Yeah. They want to make sure that they are remembered. And they, they, because they remember their grandparents and their parents from the food they make and from the recipes they, they were left. And from the, we heard stories about, you know, my grandma's recipe book. Like, I still have it and it's in her handwriting and all these things. So they're keenly aware about passing on the, those legacies, but they're also very interested about maintaining those memories themselves for themselves. So how do some of those things relate into how they're dining out or how they're approaching restaurants? That's a, a good segue to what I was about to just say. So one of the things that is really interesting about uh, Baby Boomers, which it probably won't be a surprise to anyone that runs a restaurant, um, they have super high expect expectations of in-person dining compared to everyone else. Super mm -hmm. high. And not just for in-person -dine, in dining, they have that same level of expectation for takeout. Huh. So where we saw with Gen Z and millennials that they're, they're aware that takeout is different. They're aware that maybe you have to pop it into the microwave or into the oven for five right. minutes to get it back. They're aware that it's going to be a little messy or soggy or whatever, and they're fine with it. Baby boomers are not. Baby boomers mm. will call and will leave a Yelp review. Oh. Will we'll, like complain. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're the uh, ones that are trolling ordering. everyone's Google review page and, and Yelp yes. page. <laughs> so going back to to the the internet use, they're leaving reviews. Mm. Both okay. good and bad. They're like a lot of the reviews that you see online. <laughs> baby boomers. I think I can um, kind of tell by the language though. Like if I go on Amazon. It's very obvious who's writing yeah. some of the reviews. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. Reviews didn't even come up in most of our uh, conversations with Gen Zers and Millennials. Oh. They came up in pretty much every conversation with, uh, with baby boomers. Well, that's interesting. Does that mean that they don't trust the reviews or they're just not, they're not thinking about it? Because we, I feel like we talked about this on the last show too, Matt, where we were like, how much do you actually trust a review? And like, I actually do. Like, I look, I, I don't trust it. If I see a thousand five star reviews, I'm like, this is clearly fake. But if I see like four, four and a half stars and I look through and I'm like, okay, like I'm getting a mix, you know, like 
But I, I want to look and I want to see what people are saying mm-hmm. or the photos they're posting. That's also what I'm looking at. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I wouldn't know that part. We didn't look in, especially into trust of reviews or that. But okay. I think one of the things that maybe I can infer from this is also the attitude towards reviewing. I think um, baby boomers, like they come from a, from, from a world where pre, pre internet where, you know, they could they would voice their concern to a manager or whatever and things would get sorted where now some of those methods are more online uh and so they feel compelled to do these types of things as like an accountability type of thing um where we didn't see that with other generations um as much um but yeah the standards for in-person dining for takeout higher so if if you're catering to a baby boomer audience keep those standards up mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm curious, um, I guess kind of wrapping up here, this it's kind of this snapshot of how everybody's different is really interesting. I think it's, some of it's kind of intuitive and some of it was kind of surprising for me, counterintuitive, but if, mm-hmm. uh, if you're a restaurant operator kind of planning, planning for the future, like five years out or what, what would like you looking at this research, what would be kind of your biggest couple takeaways of things to like really keep in mind as you're doing maybe some longer term planning. Yeah. Well, I would ask myself if I was starting a restaurant right now or, or running a restaurant, like, first of all, who's my current audience? You know? mm-hmm. And then is that, do I want to maintain that? Do I want to keep that or do I want to expand some, some other audience? That would be the first one in terms of a generation or a, mm-hmm. or a life stage. And then based on that, I would make some some choices, no? So for example, if if I'm catering to an older audience, well, know that their in-person experience is really important. So training in in staff, front of house mm-hmm. staff, uh, the takeout experience is really important to them. So making sure that the dishes you choose to, for takeout won't get soggy or won't get cold really fast or are, are easier to eat. Mm-hmm. in that way no uh, or not easier but easier to keep up the quality right yeah right. that really matters for that older audience no versus if you're catering to a younger audience that's like on the, on the gen z side of things it's about the the experience it's about like the uniqueness but it's also about the consciousness of you're aware of your community you're aware of the health of what you're putting out into the world um so be mindful of those things when when putting it together and those in between them, the like millennials or younger Gen Xers, it really is about balancing a thousand things at, at the same time. Mm-hmm. So how can you help them with convenience? So for them, takeout also matters, but because it's convenient, no, and it's mm-hmm. it's it fits within a budget. So how do you offer them uh, meals, family meals that they can take home and and make for a couple of days? Things that help them like manage that busy life that they're in the middle of because they have a thousand things going on. Um, so I would say if you're aware of who your audience is, start catering uh, those to, to those types of, of basically user needs, no, or like yeah. diner needs. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that's so important because there's so many in ways to engage right now, especially with like everyone being on social media. And so you can't do it all. And content takes a lot of time and the way that folks engage with you, your restaurant, whether that's online or in person, I think taking a real uh, assessment of who's really coming in and spending the money. I mean, sure, you're going to get all generations, I'm sure at some point, 
but mm -hmm. really focusing in on that, I think is, um, could be, can be really helpful as you think about the way you market yourself, your brand and how you approach those consumers. So, yeah. Well, and even things like if you're in the middle of a university campus, well, right. <laughs> yeah. You're probably going to have more Gen Z. <laughs> yeah. you know, if you're in the middle of, I don't know, a wealthy old suburb in the middle of, in the outside outskirts of Atlanta, maybe you're, yeah. you know, there's, or Florida, maybe you have a more. Mm -hmm. older generations so right also be right of that, you know? so last question here fernando what was i'm just curious what was the one piece of research that came out of this that surprised you the most in just like any any of the generations that you guys really weren't expecting um i think the most the most interesting thing was not a particular thing we learned from any one generation um but more this uh, idea that you know generations are kind of similar based on where they are in their in their life stage millennials will look a lot more like baby boomers when they become that age you know? right uh and so there's um like yeah there are some things that matter for each generation but it's also more like catered to like where they are in their life and yeah i think just being aware of that and being kind of like mm -hmm. on the lookout for that i think is is gonna be probably more important than any one thing, mm -hmm. any one specific thing. Interesting. Well, thank you so much, Fernando. This was super interesting. I'm so glad that you came on to share the details of this research. I, I learned a lot today. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. Want to hear more? Then you need to head to backofhouse.io, where you can find the latest on restaurant technology, industry news, a ton of free how-to guides, and interviews with industry experts. And while you're there, definitely remember to sign up for our free newsletter, Back of House News. Our team of reporters cuts through the noise and gives you the headlines that you really need to see each and every week. This is honestly one of the best weekly newsletters I've ever read, and I wouldn't say that if it weren't true. Follow us on Twitter at BOH underscore news and at We Are Back of House on all other platforms. Yeah!